When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jibber Jabber with JPJ. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Jibber Jabber with JPJ. And hello, Devin. It is great to see you after meeting for the first time in person. Hello, JPJ. And yes, you were in LA recently. Want to share why? Um, yeah, I was filming the short film, The Recital, which you guys should all tune into. Our former guest, Victoria Baldessera, is one of the leads in that. And I think that you guys will be greatly entertained by the production. And Devin, oh my gosh, I just have to say I had the best time meeting up with you on Sunday. I was exhausted and you probably don't know this. Actually, you do, because I told you I didn't have any caffeine that day. I usually Which is a have... big step for you. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a big step because I have to bring my tolerance down a little bit. I'm a three to four, maybe five if I got five hours of sleep, cup of coffee uh, That's a day person. Well, I have to stay awake and I have to stay sharp and alert. So He but... also ran five miles before meeting me, which... I only I, did like a 20 minute walk that day. <laughs> hey, we walked for at least an, at least a half hour while we were waiting for our Uber that one day. Remember we were. Yeah. I we, mean that I figured it would only be a 30 minute meetup, but it turned into three hours. Cause we were just, we were having so much having fun. fun. Yeah. I know, Cause we've hung out over zoom. What? Like 30 plus times. And I know we finally got to meet each other in person. It was it's so even much better fun. in person. We, if we, if, if, I lived in LA. We'd be hanging out all the time. We'd be surfing. Oh. Wait, do you actually surf or no? You just look like you do. No, I just look like I surf. <laughs> I, right now would be a little bit too much of a liability for me to surf because it's a dangerous thing, especially in yeah. LA. You, you can't don't... break the moneymaker. No, and you can't, and you just don't know what's in the water underneath you. You don't know where the coral reef is. The water isn't totally clear in Los Angeles. So you're taking a risk every time you ride one of those waves. And, and Sharknado could happen too. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> just a liability that I cannot afford, but I do longboard. Uh, that ah, is, that is, that is, LA. that is the LA thing that I took with me. I love the fact that everyone's riding their longboard in LA. It's so cool. And you kind of have to in LA because. You have to park at least a half a mile. Well, if you're lucky, you can park a half a mile away from whatever activity. And if you're like me, you park at least 15 minutes away because you can't parallel park because you're oh, an idiot. <laughs> man. Oh, my gosh. We I could have showed you how to parallel park on Sunday. That, yeah, you should have actually done that. We shouldn't have gotten gosh, ice cream. It. Shouldn't have gotten tacos. You should have been my driver's ed teacher. <laughs> Well, Devin, you didn't tell me that you didn't know how to parallel park, so we didn't get to do that. Shame on you, Devin. Gosh but you know it. what we did get to do? Walk around and look at all the cool houses in Larchmont. That was awesome. I want a giant. I, I want. I want a giant aloe plant in front of my house now, and oh a hedge. God. I want a giant hedge. I need a hedge to block out everybody. Yeah, just, it's meant to be. And you know what the hedge does? You know what it really does? Aside from block people out, what shows you're rich. 
I, I suppose it does do that, but I'm not sure. Are our hedges expensive to maintain? LA doesn't have any water. Isn't the water supply extremely limited? I just assume if no one can see your house in LA, that's for a reason. It's because you're loaded. True, true. But I just, the hedge makes your yard feel like an outdoor living room because it's kind of like a wall, you know? Excellent it's, point. It's really cool. I really want a hedge in my future property when I happen to buy one. I think hedges are awesome. At least that's that was what I took away from our house <laughs> viewing session on Sunday. That was so much fun. And today's interview was also so much fun. We got oh to gosh. talk to Dr. Darcy Sterling. She is a relationship expert, a doctor of social work, the host of E-Network's When Women Kill and Famously Single. Please enjoy listening to the very multidimensional Dr. Darcy Sterling. Oh, hello, hello, Dr. Darcy Sterling. Welcome to Jibber Jabber with JPJ. It is an honor to have you as a guest on our podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're really excited to learn the fundamentals of relationship building with you today, Dr. Darcy. You are a fascinating individual, and I'm particularly intrigued with your background because you're a social worker. And when I think of social workers, I think of the people that help people get their feet off the ground, the people that put people on food stamps. Uh, my girlfriend was a social worker for a number of years, and she helped children find uh, the right foster home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was a financial analyst for an education technology company that uh, produced uh, social workers. So we provided the technology that allowed people to get their degrees online. And so I was overseeing the social work vertical as a financial analyst. And you guys really are sort of like the people that knit society together. And I think of, you know, when social worker comes to mind, I don't typically think of like a somebody that's in a clinical setting, which is what you do, as I understand correctly. You're kind of a non-typical social worker. You have a doctorate of social work. And can you just sort of explain to us like what that is? Sure. So the the atypical part of my career is that I have the doctorate, but truly um, it's a misnomer that people have about social workers, that we are uh, primarily work in the community. And we that is certainly a huge part of social work practice. It's part of our ethos is to be down on the ground in it with our in it with our clients, advocating for them, helping them to navigate systems, ensuring that they have, you know, um, equity and equality. What people are unaware of is that the vast majority of therapists, certainly in the United States, are actually clinical social workers. Mm. 70% of therapists in in the United States are clinical social workers. So um, I came by it. I was crystal clear that I wanted to work clinically. I didn't, I actually, you know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole about this. Like I really came into it with this entitled bougie attitude. I was like 24 years old. I was going to Columbia university and I was like, I'm just going to like really work in a, I want to work with like people who, who are like middle-class. I don't want to, I don't want to work with people who are disadvantaged because I had this really warped perception, which I think a lot of particularly privileged people have about society that, you know, there are services for the rich, there are services for the poor and very little for middle class. Now that was my background. That was my experience as a kid growing up, which is how that informed my desire to work clinically and particularly with, with the middle class. But by and large, social workers, it's such a creative field. We can do just about anything. And that is one of the things I love the most about being a social worker is that I've been able, if I can think it, if I can imagine it, if it's going to help a person or a system or a group, it doesn't matter if it's macro or micro, I can do it. Anything I want to do basically falls within the auspices of social work practice. So I love the flexibility and I love the creativity because I have really bad ADD and I get bored very easily. 
And that, that's fascinating. And I understand that you particularly deal with uh, relationships. And so I figured a good place to start would be, you know, there seems to be a lot of confusion as to where and how you should meet your particular significant other. I've been in groups where people believe that you should meet your significant other at a bar. That seems to be the most common uh, thought process floating around out there. Uh, I've tried that myself. Hasn't quite worked out for me. I personally believe it is. A, I'm sure you do as well, given your uh, the or you were. I'm not sure if you still are the global ambassador for Tinder. I just find that you know the most data savvy way to match with somebody who shares the same values as you is to do it through online dating because you can just click quickly check off. Okay. These people sort of have the same fundamental beliefs that I do. Therefore, you know, it that will seem to give us the most likely chance of working out long term. But do, do you have a belief? Is Does the data tell us that there is a particular method for properly meeting our significant other? Well, you know, I remember when you're too young for this, but I'm not. I remember when online dating first became a thing and I would have this debate constantly with my clients. Everybody was, it was seen as online dating was seen as the thing you do when you're absolutely desperate, when mm -hmm. organic methods have and failed that, you. That ideology still seems to linger around. It seems a little silly. It's 2021. Well, let me just, right. Yeah. Let me just, let me just push back on that for the, for the listeners who, who have that position. The alternative, when I was growing up, the way we met is we would go to a bar or a club, we would be several drinks in, which would certainly be informing our ability to see and perceive things objectively and be processing right. data clearly. Music right. was so loud, you could barely <laughs> hear one another speak. Um, lights were dim, so you weren't 100% sure what somebody looked like. <laughs> they could, they right. could be hot or they could be not. You never oh, really gosh. knew. And those are the circumstances under which you want to meet a life partner. And you're going to frown upon a more statistically driven. I mean, I'm a dork. I have a PhD. My, my research was quantitative. I love numbers. I love, I was taught that if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist. So I find a way to measure just about anything and right. everything. And so uh, I love the idea of online dating it also because it used to be that we never really met people or dated outside of our like six degrees of people, you know, right. and now we're meeting people anywhere. We go to visit another city back when we used to be able to travel and God willing, that'll come back. Um, right. You go to another city, you just update your settings and boom, you're meeting people. It, it's, I think it's so amazing. I think it's so so back to my social work values, Yeah, to be exposed to people beyond the people you grew up with is so important for a cohesive society, I think, and for a tolerant and inclusive society. So right. I love the idea that you can meet people from anywhere. And, and look, yeah. I know that the dating apps have come a long way since they began, I have this fantasy. I'll just share it with you. Sure. It's not about a human being. It's about an app. So I teach relationship skills, both individually in my office, well, in my office, in my virtual office these days, nice. And, nice. And, and online in courses. I sell online courses that teach relationship skills. The people who come out of those courses and who complete work with me oftentimes feel very alone in the world, like they're the only people with clear vision because there aren't like-minded people who know and have the skills that they've developed over the years or months that we've been working together. Right. In my fantasy, there is, an, there is an app where people who have gone through relationship skills training actually have some I don't know, a star, call it a star for every level of relationship skills that they've completed. And then people are all on this app who are all trained in relationship skills, because that is really so much more important than the bullshit that we put in our profiles on whatever dating app, you know, 
your your dating right. app du jour, it doesn't even matter. The the ability to communicate with one another, the the ability to have an appropriate fight, to have an appropriate disagreement, to understand that when people begin um, and when a couple begins to push back on one another, bicker a little bit, this is not a sign of trouble. This is a normal sign that the relationship is progressing into the second stage of the relationship. It's the honeymoon stage did what it's meant to do. It created the foundation of trust and security that allows the individuals to now try and be individuals within that relationship. And it's that very it's that safety and security that's allowing them, the two people, to push back on one another and say, you know what? I don't always like it when you do that. I don't always like it when you do this other thing. I would prefer that you do this another way. And, you know, in, in a normal a normal person might experience that and think, well, you know, this was so easy two months ago. Why is it becoming so difficult now? It's not becoming difficult. It's it's different. We can't bottle the honeymoon. If we could, I mean, hell, I'll keep trying, but I've not found a way to bottle the honeymoon period of a relationship. Relationships change. Feelings change. They flow. They ebb. They're fluid. You cannot bottle an emotion. So this very idea that if you don't feel exactly the way you did when you first met the person and your brain was soaking in endorphins and and neurochemicals to the extent that you essentially have the same level of drugs that somebody who's an opiate user might have sure. if they were using it's it's an unrealistic expectation that you should still feel that way no it all goes away it all goes away and it's supposed to go away and you're supposed to be individuals in the relationship and and negotiate boundaries and likes and dislikes. And that is the dance of long-term relationships. It's a constant compromise. Somebody once said to me, relationships are the Olympics of compromise. And, Mm. you know, I rolled my eyes at that because I was a little disappointed, but I was like, all right. I mean, if you say so, you know, everything, the person I was speaking to really does know everything. He's really smart. That's fascinating. Thanks for uh, sharing that information with us. And you covered a number of things in there. And I want to poke at a few things that you touched on. Uh, the first one being that there seems to be a, like a certain like structure in terms of how relationships works. You mentioned there's a honeymoon phase and there's a phase after that. What are the stages of a relationship? So the three stages of relationship, I, I call the first stage, the honeymoon stage. That's the infatuation stage where if everything goes right, you fall in love by the end. And how, how long does that last? Is there a time I mean, limit it depends. on the stage? I'm going to say, so look, I'm a lesbian. So I'm going to say that like in the lesbian world, because we're known to uh, move in on the, with one another on the second date, because there is no male who's been socialized to push back against a long-term relationship and resist. You've got two women who've been socialized from birth to want to nest and root and make a house. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting, except it, it becomes very boring um, that that okay. dynamic. It's so predictable. It really sure. is so predictable. So women, we tend to, you know, lesbians tend to burn through that honeymoon stage, burn through it because you just have two women that always want to be together. And so how long is the, that? How long is that? Stage I then? mean, I'm going to say a month, six, two months, six months. No, no longer than that. OK, six months, six months. Six and how long is it for nine, six to nine months? Straight people, it could let it because you guys could be in it for a year and a half, two years. No kidding. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so great to know. I know. Oh. Just just keep being a boy. Just keep what? being your boy self. And and that that you know, be that paces things. It that's paces cool. things. Slow that's, and steady. That's fast. But and what and what's after the honeymoon stage? Is is the I call the next, the second stage of relationship organic love because you're in love, but you're raw. You don't have really with none of us come out of the womb and most of us don't, don't emerge from our families with relationship skills. And if we do, they suck. Most of us learned very maladaptive relationship skills from our parents. That's how we, and intergenerationally, we're just taught 
the same recycled failed tools over and over and over again. And that's why the divorce rate at any given point is north of 50%. Um, right. In the organic love stage, you've got two people who are in love. And what begins to happen is you've built up the security and the trust to get to this stage. You, you've got two people who begin to emerge as individuals in that relationship. So you've got the honeymoon stage and I'm like miming this a little bit for your listeners. Like, That's so fun. my hands, yeah. my hands are like clasped in, in prayer for the honeymoon stage and they're coming apart to show two separate individuals for the mind, for the organic love stage of development. It's, it's sort of like adolescence. It's yeah. like the adolescence of relationship. What is the, 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 the task of the adolescent is to separate from the parent and to find their own identity. So in that second stage of relationship, the task of both partners is to find a way to be who they are within the context of the relationship. So that then provokes a ton of push and pull. And most people understand this stage as being forever caught in a power struggle. It can Mm. feel like you are constantly in a power struggle with your partner because we don't know how to negotiate. We don't know how to compromise. Should there be a power struggle in the relationship? Does one person necessarily need to be in the more dominant position? So So I don't mean it in that way. What I mean is like, I say black, you say white. And, and unconsciously, we're doing it because we're just each rooted in our own corner of the room and we each want our way. And I want to see how much do you care about me? Do you care about me enough to give me that it's black or are you going to tell me it's white? And, and it could be anything. So it's not about the actual thing. And it's not about the type of power structure that you see in society. It, that can be a whole di- that's a whole different thing. That's like that's a sure. next level relationship issue. I'm talking very superficial here. Right. It's, the, it's where you start fighting. It's where you start bickering. It's mm. where like, oh, you never wanted to go out, John Paul Jones. And now every other day you want to go out with your friends and hang with your friends. I used to mm. be enough for you. What the hell's going on? And mm. it's it, there's nothing there. This is why I caution people. Yeah. I say, you know what? Carve out boys night and girls night from day one, people, because it it can be injurious when you're going to need your own space in the relationship. It, right. it doesn't matter what type of relationship you're in, what your sexual orientation is. You right. are going to need your own space eventually. And if you guys are in this, this merge of the honeymoon stage and you don't start asking for your own space until until the organic stage, which is the second stage, um, you're going to, it's going to be hurtful. Not that it should be, but life hurts sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it sounds to me like this organic stage, which you're describing is sort of when you kind of become secure with yourself. And therefore, because you become more independent, you, you may need to sort of rediscover what sort of made you love that person in the first place. Exactly. And suddenly all the stuff that I thought was cute about you in the beginning goes up my ass sideways, does not feel good, drives me crazy. Mm. I don't enjoy it and vice versa. And this is, and and this is typical in any relationship, in any relationship. And, and so what happens here is that people suddenly feel this friction Mm. with this partner where there was almost no friction. There was mm. almost no friction. It's the juxtaposition. It's that you've come right. from, it's it's like trying to compare your relationship on a honeymoon to what it's like in a pandemic. There's no comparison. The pandemic sucks. You're either on top of each other or you're too far away from each other. There's no happy medium. And on, on a vacation, there's nothing but sleep, food, exercise, fresh air, and your partner. Who can't get along then? You know what I'm right. saying? Everyone right. can get along then. So- most relationships, they live and die in this second stage of relationship. If they live, more often than not, and we've all seen these couples, they're, it's almost like it feels like they're in a cold war. You know that they're, you just know they're not having sex. And if they're having sex, it's really not good sex. They're barely talking to each other. They, they're roommates. They tolerate each other. But there's a, there's, there's a snideness, a detached 
quality. There's 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 friction between them, and you know they don't like each other. They're in it for, and I'm doing air quotes here, the kids. Those are the mm. parents that stay together for the kids. They're 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 martyring mm. themselves, the, mm. or they're just and truthfully they or they're trying to hold themselves out as martyrs. There's nothing selfless about it. It's very selfish to ha- raise children in a in a relationship where that <sighs> dynamic is what's being modeled for them. And so, is there is there a stage after this organic stage? It sounds like it's just a bunch of stumbling and sort of rediscovering, yeah. compromising with your partner. Does does this cycle end? Yeah. It, well, most people do not tolerate it, and that's when it they break up. Most people end the relationship right there because they mm. don't understand that there's this third stage. This is a place. This is the promised land. It's called mindful love. Mm. It's where you've learned relationship skills. You know how to negotiate with each other. You know each other's crazy. Everybody in relationships, every human being is walking on some element of fractured emotional limbs. None of us come out of childhood without any wounds. I'm really worried about the people who think that they did. That's very concerning to me. I, I, I embrace those who are like, here's my crazy. So it's really about that third stage. You know your own crazy. You know your partner's crazy. And you know how to work around the two of your crazy. On top of it, you have learned relationship skills. That's how you've gotten out of that power struggle, that second mm. stage of relationship. And you also have the time that you've you've got so much time under your belt, so many miles under the relationship's belt, that there's trust built up, there's security built up, so that in many ways, you can have a lot of the great stuff from the beginning, plus the trust. And, and it's like the most amazing, it's the most amazing place to be. And so it, it sounds, what I'm hearing, Dr. Darcy, is that as you progress through these different cycles of the relationship, it, it sounds like it's a, a matter of sort of developing an awareness of yourself and sort of acting, sort of acting, and sort of acting truthfully to yourself according to that awareness that you develop. Is that fair to say? Well, that last part can be a slippery slope, but the first okay. part I, I agree with for sure. It most of us come into relationships, we don't have a clue who we are. We haven't right. been on our own therapy. We haven't done any of our own work. We're busy like killing it on the young adult to-do list. You know, gotcha. we, 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 you know, we make like in high school, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to stay on that trajectory. That's going to get us into the school. That's not going to like, you know, bankrupt our family. Um, right. And, and then we, then we want to get out of the school and we want to land that first job. And then, there's pressure to find the first relationship, but there's also much more pressure to succeed. And you've got the student loans to pay off. And it's like, we're so focused on that young adult to-do list that most of us don't ever pause and question, huh, is this what I want? And who am I? All of these questions that result in either having a well-examined life or not. If you don't know yourself, you can't you can't guide your partner in how to relate to you. If I right. don't know what upsets me or, or what I prefer, I can't tell you what upsets me or what I prefer. I'm just miserable in and you're my never unhappiness. Make it through that, that sec- you know, and you'll never progress through that second stage. And, That's and right. Goal, and it sounds like the goal is to get to that mindfulness stage. And, mm-hmm. and once you're there... It, is that stage indefinite? You're just kind of there for the entirety of your relationship. So I was going to crack a wise ass joke and be like, I'll let you know when I get there. Here's the <laughs> No, I have, I think it ebbs and it flows. Okay. I 100% have moments like that with my wife, but I mean, I'll be honest, we're living in a pandemic. We're two shrinks working out of a New York city apartment, a two bedroom mm. apartment. It is, it is intense in this house. It is very intense here. So, um, you know, we, uh, I I am encouraged that we have been able to tap back into that. 
in moments. I really look forward to the next several months as the world, or at least the city I live in, begins to open in a safer way so that I can actually leave the house and not worry about getting a plague. I really look forward to that happening because there's nothing better for a relationship than to miss each other and to crave each other. And when you're constantly with each other, you don't miss each other. With society returning to normal, I definitely find myself a little more anxious and a little bit more in need of a distraction now that things are almost at full pace. No matter how you're feeling about getting back out there, there's no denying it's an adjustment. When the world gets too loud, something I love to do is create my own soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people. Or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Now that my schedule's picked up to full capacity, the only break I get is when I work out with my Raycons. I turn on my Pumping Iron playlist on Spotify and let the music take me away because the Raycons are so good. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. They come with a bunch of gel tips for your comfort. And unlike some other brands, they don't stick out of your ears. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Give them a try. You'll see what I mean. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Jibber Jabber listeners can get 15% off the Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash jpj. That's buyraycon.com slash jpj to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash jpj. Right. Um, so I think it ebbs and flows. I think it ebbs and flows, but I do think that once you touch that, that last stage, you just know, it's like you're grown, like, you know, better. And it's like, if we choose not to use our relationship skills, we know we're being lazy. You know what I'm saying? And like, we call ourselves out on it and repair, meaning we make up so much faster than than we would have years ago when we when we were still caught in that that other terrible stage that look it's the yeah. stage that challenges you none of us grow look how is a diamond created it's under pressure you right, know right. none of us grow from being on vacation we right. grow from pressure we go grow from challenge we grow from we grow from from pain and yeah. so you you have there's no way to there's the trajectory is through there's no going around it right right and so dr darcy in order to maximize this longevity with your partner what what are the things that people should be looking for on the first date with a potential significant other in order to optimize that long that potential longevity with their partner first off i would say know what you're looking for know if you're interested in a relationship or you're not and be verbal about that so that you can see if the two of you are compatible because Mm. and so often people don't do that which is like getting in a car and not dropping in the address that you want your gps to bring you to and then complaining that there's no available people in the world when you've just been driving in circles you know it's it's ridiculous we have to be forthright about what we're looking for but i will say my my questions on the first date are not the sexiest because i am trying to rule out inappropriate partners so what i would say is my first question would be so when was the last time you were in a relationship Mm. and how long ago that was is telling You know, you want the person to have had enough time between their last relationship and the first date with you to have either healed if they were hurt or done some soul searching regardless of whether or not they were hurt. Because my second question is, in what ways did you contribute to the relationship ending? If the person can't identify that, 
then I would I would run, not walk. I would run because Interesting. everyone should be able to reflect backwards and say how they were culpable in the relationship not working out. Everyone right. should be able to do that. There's no such thing as a villain and an angel in relationships. We all suck. We're all just <laughs> guessing and trying and we're, we're muscling our way through. So there are things you've done wrong in every relationship. Now, sometimes you get cheated on and it's very convenient to be like, oh, they cheated on me. Right. Well, that's that sounds like it was a milestone in the relationship. But what were your contributions to the things I'm not going to say that somebody drives somebody to cheat because right. cheating is a coping mechanism that an individual chooses. But I am going to say that. Is people, it really a coping mechanism, though? Is it? It can be. Or, or, I think I feel like people, you know, I, I feel like people uh, like wh why? Why would somebody cheat? You tell me. Gosh, I don't know. I think some people, you know, have, uh, you know, uh, like a sort of a sexual greed, so to speak, like. The, you know, people aren't satisfied with the person they're with and they have an irrational belief that, you know, intimacy with someone else will bring them this sort of fleeting happiness that they, I, I think, perceive will fulfill them. But uh, it doesn't. And by the way, this is, you know, a, a reason why I wish I would have followed you earlier on Instagram, because I think you have so many great little tidbits of information like that, like how to spot a cheater. I think that was such a brilliant little piece that you had that, uh, I believe you said that people will suddenly become very defensive over like questions that you ask them regarding who they're talking to and they'll hide their phone and they'll suddenly, you know, uh, apply this secrecy uh, to, you know, their personality. Is that, is that, is that right? And you know, everything on, let's just be clear, everything on, excuse me, I'm filming. Oh, no, Thank you. <laughs> it's so much fun to be in this house. You guys want to come over? Um, Heck yeah, Devin and I would love to have cocktails with you guys. Um, drinks with two shrinks. You're welcome. Oh my gosh! Like mm, um, next mm. podcast idea. Yeah, um, drinks with two shrinks. Yeah, you, should, two, you should start a podcast. And that should two be it. for the price of one. That's what you get in this family. You become friends with one, you get two. Steph nice. teaches Steph teaches relationship skills to couples, and I teach them individually. I think a lot of people could benefit by people that you know haven't quite developed a, an awareness of themselves and of others. That I think they could benefit from following the information that you have on Instagram, because I think that, there are a lot of people that are probably being cheated on that just have no idea that that's going on. You're like fan in the fires of jealousy left and right. <laughs> I am not. I am not. A, that. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but I am not a jealous person, but I took your quiz. I took your quiz and apparently I am moderately jealous. Wait, what did you get? I got a, Devin and I both took your quiz. I got a yeah. four. Is that, I got a six. Mean oh, I mean, Dev, but, <laughs> but Dr. Darcy, let me tell you, I, I, I'm, I, I would like to believe that I'm my own person and that I, I don't, I don't envy other people, but after seeing some of your questions, I thought to myself, wait, don't I have the right to feel that way? Why would my, one of the questions was, do you get jealous when your significant other talks to an ex why would my significant other ever talk to an ex? I don't believe that my girlfriend so, would ever, my girlfriend would never talk to one of her exes. And, you know, that's, that's so I, interesting. I, but like, I, so, so I will tell you. Don't uh, I have the, don't I have the right to feel that way? You no. have the right to feel any way you feel. And everybody has their own personal comfort and discomfort. I will say when a relationship ends, um, that person should no longer pose a threat to a future relationship. It, it just shouldn't happen. My, look, I just, I just full disclosure, disclosure. I just bought a, a beach house and the person, thanks. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's amazing what an existential crisis will do for you within and provoke you to like reevaluate your quality of life and such. But anyway, right, that's right. not the point of the story. Point of the story is the person doing the renovation is my ex-boyfriend from when I was 17. 
who also winds up at my dining room table every other holiday. Several of them. I am close to almost every ex. Wait, this is perfect. What what is the value in that? I just just, they were great. They were great people. It just didn't work out. And there's a bond between us. It's like it's almost like look, I'm I'm much older than you guys. For me, but I even felt this way in my in my. 20s like it was always great to see the exes you know I just got out of a five-year relationship and I'm still kind of talking to my ex we took like a few months off and now we're back to chatting again but only platonically what's what's your opinion on this so do you still have feelings for him no okay does he (laughs) still have feelings for you I think his mom wants us to get back together that's a that's for sure but I don't think he has feelings. We ended because of long distance and I officially decided I want to go to LA. He wants to stay in New York and we decided to call it quits. You guys were together five years? Yeah, I started dating. I'm, I'm only 23. So I started dating freshman year of college, just broke up this April. You're sure that you don't have feelings for him and that he doesn't have feelings for you. What my concern would be that it's not been a long enough break and that oh. the connection between the two of you could s- inhibit one or both of you from moving on with another partner. So that would be my only hesitation. I, I'm a, you know, I, I just think that there, you, there should be a break, but it was mutual, right? You both decided yeah, to end it. Was it was mutually in a hot tub at his parents' beach house. Uh, we decided let's call this quits. Wow. <laughs> Perfect timing on a vacation together, but how do you like yeah. that? Yeah, I know was it, it was planned? kind of, we were talking about it. We would always be like, so we should probably chat about, uh, you going to LA. And I was like, yeah, we'll talk about it when it comes. And we talked about it before it came. And then we just decided call it quits. So are you somebody who generally doesn't like to lean into tough discussions? I think so. Yeah, I'd probably prefer to avoid it and just wait until the last minute and still try to avoid it then. Yeah. <laughs> you have tough discussions with me all the time, Devin. I know. <laughs> John Paul Jones and I have a horrible romantic uh, history. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It sounds to me like you guys have a very secure connection to one another and the stakes with him may be a little different than what you have with a romantic partner. It's amazing how romantic partners trigger us, trigger our historical stuff like nobody else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he may, he must not be triggering you at the same way that your previous, the way your ex did, but wait, John. So literally you won't let your, your girlfriend have, uh, be friends with her exes. No, no, I have no, you know, she's a free person. She can do whatever she wants, but just, I I just know that given, you know, her past with her ex, I just wouldn't be comfortable me too, yeah. though, even it though just, I'm a hypocrite and I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know. And I'm like, going to tell you, I've got exes of both genders and they're all f- um, friends with almost all of them. Almost all of them. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. You both. Yep. Hey, it's I'm not that I'm a better do- person. Listen, it's not yeah, that you're better is, than us. Than you guys. No, because I feel like I feel like there's a moral superiority uh, undertone <laughs> no, to this. Not, and I just want to. I. You heard me yelling at my wife just now. I'm the poster child for teaching relationship skills. So please believe me. I am I am no better than you guys. Um, I don't have an ounce of jealousy in me. I don't so nice. I don't ever feel threatened in a relationship by another person. I can uh, at times struggle with envy, particularly career envy. Oh, yeah. um, I get caught up in all that stuff just like everybody else does. And so given that jealousy seems to be the most current topic that you're focusing on, what are some remedies and things that we can do to alleviate the pain of jealousy? I'm, yeah. I'm, just, cu- I'm just curious to know what, what, what can we do to get rid of this horrible sensation that we seem to be suffering from? So um, I have a tool that is a questionnaire And after you complete the questionnaire, it spits out 
some data. Oh, you you would probably love this. The um, mm-hmm. analyst in you, it yeah. spits out these data points that tells you all the things that you un- maybe unconsciously and probably unconsciously most of you know that like ninety five percent of our motivations are outside of our awareness. So. When people are like, oh, I didn't mean to do that, or like, no, that wasn't my intention. No, that wasn't your conscious intention. But you don't know what 95% of your intentions are. So all of us should be open to other people's perspectives on how we made them feel and why we did the thing we did that hurt their feelings. Anyway, um, this tool spits out all of your unconscious jealousy triggers, and it has an accompanying worksheet where when you connect the dots to that, you can eliminate up to 85% of your jealousy triggers. So I have a game that's not exactly a game. It's more of you helping me with my online profile. That sounds great. I was wondering if you wanted to go through and tell me all the rights and wrongs. I would love to. Nothing (laughs) makes me happier than doing that. Okay. Do you want to use Hinge? Bumble or Tinder? Because I'm on all three. Why don't we pull up your uh, Hinge okay. profile and you'll share your screen with me? This is going to be so much fun, you guys. <laughs> I'm so I excited know. to do this. I love so. to I love to bite into people's dating profiles. Heck yeah. Perfect. So this is my first picture. So it's- you just, um, that's you. That's really cute. That so definitely encapsulates you, Devin. Let That's me start awesome. by asking you, Devin, are, yes. are you looking for a relationship or are you looking to date casually? See, this is what you said originally when you say don't go into something without knowing what you want. And I don't know. I kind of miss having a boyfriend and being able to like watch TV together and just sit there in silence. But also I kind of want to hoe it up. I uh, haven't been a hoe, but also it's a pandemic, so I can't hoe it up. So yeah, I don't tricky. know. Yeah, it's I don't very know tricky. what I want. <laughs> um, you're sure that you're not just in denial about wanting a relationship? I don't know. I, I mean, I do like being in a relationship. I will say that it is very nice. So everything, all of my feedback stems from answering that one question. It's like it's like you have a podcast idea, and I'm like, "What's your elevator pitch?" That's the hardest part of yeah. any concept is is distilling it to the sound bite that everyone can understand. And um, so you don't know, which is why you're on a relationship app, a hookup app, and something in the middle. And I'm not going to identify which is which. Okay, right? wait, is, is yeah. Tinder a... I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the answer is yes. The answer is yes. We I'm are, not going to do it. Like, I will, I, here's what I'll say. I will say that um, I know a couple that met and got married on Tinder. Oh, and yeah. I know lots oh. of people who use Hinge to hook up. I think huh. it's, I think it's a mistake. <laughs> I, I would, I, I just think it's confusing. The first picture is totally fine. And I can drill down on why that's fine. Keep going. Okay. Then on Hinge, you get like a little topic. So I Mm -hmm. chose, you know, you found the one. And I said, if we pee in the toilet at the same time, I thought that shows my humor. Um, I have gotten a few pee related kink messages, (laughs) which Uh was definitely a no. Uh Uh-huh. So what do we think? I I think you're going to provoke that kind of, I think there's a different way of communicating your, I love that that's your humor. (laughs) Thank you. First of all, and I think there's probably a different way of communicating it that's not going to involve genitals. Okay. Because you're going to get people who are going to be highly into wanting to hook up with you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. But keep going. Okay. Oh, to, to your point, Dr. Darcy, could you maybe elaborate on what you just said? You're going to get people that just want to hook up. Do you think... Uh, you know, as a doctor that's has had exposure to the data of, you know, these types of scenarios, would you say that, you know, there's, there's, there's no advantage to the 
cookup culture because you seem to be diverting Devin away from that. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Oh no, not at all. I'm a big fan of hookup culture. hundred percent. I think mm. this is a tricky moment in time for it, but yeah, no, I'm a relationship expert who teaches people how to get along with every person in their life. I don't think everyone is not meant to be in an intimate relationship. It's not for everyone. And there are a million different ways to do it. I don't ascribe to monogamy. I don't, I don't have, there's not a one size fits all in my, in my perception, but what, you know, what do I know? I'm just a shrink. I just have my opinions and I look at the data and clearly monogamy is failing us. So, um, and it's unclear because we can't untangle the variable of monogamy from the it's, fact that we don't teach relationship skills. We, so I can't see, yeah. I can't tell which of those two things is the cause of the divorce rate being what it is. Go. Gotcha. So it, it, just to your question, and this is just thought provoking, is monogamy failing us? Because doesn't it, ulti- I don't know, I, I, I'm just of the opinion that I, I believe love is a choice and that you, you sort of choose to love someone. So is it monogamy that isn't working out or is it us not being honest with ourselves? That's the problem. Well, how would us not being honest with ourselves be a problem? Well, we we sort of choose to love our partner, correct? Yeah. I mean, lo- lo- love is a choice, you know, in, yeah. in that mindfulness stage. We sort of choose to compromise, you know, with ourselves and to love our partner, correct? So, it, so it, I, I, I don't know, I, I, you know, we, we, and this doesn't apply to every relationship dynamic, but ultimately what divorce comes down to is that, uh, or at least, uh, you know, to, you know, what I've seen is that you ultimately choose to separate from the person, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah, therefore, therefore, wouldn't it be like a, I, I guess uh, you know monogamy? You know the inst- I guess the institution of marriage therefore isn't the issue. It's I guess we have issues with ourselves. Is that is that right? You know, there's so many different. Listen again, I am so not your oracle. I don't have all the answers. I have pondered too many of these questions very late at night often several drinks in. And (laughs) I don't know that I have, I don't know that I have all the answers, but it is, it is hard to untangle. Is it monogamy? Is it that we don't teach people how to get along? Is it that at least in America, if it is so difficult to be solvent and well off, especially people your age, um, to have your shit together financially, that there that by the time people are thinking about whether or not to, by the time people are at a place where they're choosing a partner, I don't know that if we listen. I have so many thoughts about this. I don't even know where to begin. There are yeah. so many different variables that that contribute to the fact, or that could contribute to the fact that people do not know how to stay together. Some of it is marriage is an archaic institution that was devised when our lifespan, I'd be dead by now. I'd be dead by now. Can you commit for 10 years? Most of us can, but can you commit for 60? That's a whole different story. That is a long time to live with somebody. A very long time to live with somebody, especially now that we know that your brain is not done developing by the time you are of age, your brain is going to develop until you're 32, 33 years old. It's the truth. It's the truth. So, and if you're so busy following the young adult to-do list, trying to check all the things that you're supposed to do that society tells us that we're supposed to do. When do you ponder who am I and what do I want out of life? After you're in a problematic relationship, usually. Usually. So there's so many things that can contribute to, to that being problematic. But Look, Devin, he pulled it away from you. We were doing the dating game. You would come back to me. Show me, show me your next okay. thing. Next picture is me with a chicken showing me like clucking. <laughs> okay, I see you. Why what are you trying to communicate? Yeah, what are you trying to communicate in that? A fun girl. Uh, I uh-huh. like animals. Uh, chicken noises are hilarious. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think? 
I, I don't have a problem with it. Let me <laughs> ask you this. How have your results been so far? Um, honestly, pretty good. I do get some match. I think Bumble's probably more my cup of tea because mm-hmm. I'd rather talk first and choose, like, see again who I matched with and be like, yeah, do I really want to talk to this person? Mm-hmm. So I think it's worked out. I've gone on like four dates. I've only gone on four first dates, but it's your choice. Yeah, my choice. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, yeah, I think it's just nice to get back out there. I get. I guess I never really had this before because I jumped right into a relationship in freshman year of college. So right, you definitely. I mean, I wholeheartedly endorse your decision to be single for a minute. Yeah. Um. You need to. Yeah. You need to just do that. I. Yeah. It's weird because I haven't been single in five years. Like. Oh my gosh. It was just like we were married. We were basically I, married. I have literally been in a relationship since I'm 17 years old, maybe 16. Yeah. One after another, after another. I don't think I have been single for even a month. Wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. I don't necessarily encourage that. I think time alone is really important. Let us help you. That's Thank why you're you. here today. I no. would be really happy to receive. <laughs> I would love some help. Do you and your wife ever go at it with your therapy back and forth? Like, do you try to fix your wife and does your wife try to fix you? I'm the fixer. I like to fix. Um, I've stopped because it turns out it's not sexy to be coached by your wife. Um, (laughs) No, my wife is a lot more empathetic than I am towards me. Um, And over the years, I've become more empathetic towards her. You know, I, I don't, I love who Steph is. She's a character. She is, um, she can be off-putting and frightening and intimidating to newcomers um, because she's tall and she's muscular and she's uh, got this look on her face. You know, she's a New Yorker, so she's got a no-nonsense look on her face. But um, she's the person I prefer spending time with above all others, for sure. Um And yeah, of course we fight like everybody else fights, but we disagree really. We don't really have fights anymore. Thank God. We just have disagreements, hurt each other, and then fix it quickly. Because the faster you fix it, the less the wound. Yeah. We always, in my household, try to not go to bed upset. But yeah. this is just my anxiety being like, what if they die in their sleep? And then I ended this in a horrible way. But <laughs> So that's <laughs> that's why we uh, always fix it before we go to bed. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, it's not a bad rule. It really isn't. But sometimes you really can't get into the details. So it's okay to be like, I love you. Good night. We'll fix this tomorrow. Perfect. You know? Yeah. And I saw online... Um, the story of behind your last name. And I was wondering if you wanted to go into it on here because it's so sure, interesting. Sure. Sure. Um, so Steph and I got married. We have two different last names that we were born to. We wanted a third name. Um, and so because we're Jewish, we decided to find a family where the entire family had been lost during the Holocaust so that we could carry their name on. Um, and so we did, and we picked a family that was from Poland, uh, and every year on Holocaust Remembrance Day, we post about it and, um, we honor them. Yeah. Well, fellow Jews over here, and I love that idea. And now I kind of want to do that too. (laughs) Also, it helped with the Jewish guilt of like picking a really hot name. I was just like, I just can't do this. Who gets to pick their last name? Like it felt just so privileged and so, you know, and no, no amount of, but we're gay. We get to do things like this. (laughs) No amount of that wiped away the Jewish guilt. So I was like, well, maybe there's a way we can make this meaningful. So truthfully, some of it was um, to self-soothe and feel a little less um, entitled. You said that there's a quiz that you can take and you get results that can sort of tell you how you can remedy your jealousy. And I guess if you could answer that, I'll have a follow-up question to that. But sure. Is, is there a simple thing that we can do to avoid the jealousy emotion altogether? 
No, you don't want to avoid. Look, jealousy is a normal human emotion. You don't want to not have the capacity to feel jealousy. We're all hardwired to feel it. Jealousy becomes problematic romantically when we're adults and it gets in the way of the relationship. Now, a lot of people don't know if they have that problematic jealousy. So I've developed a quiz. It's really short, five questions. You guys both took it. And, um, you know, jealousyquiz.com. And you can find out right away whether or not you land in that concerning category of jealousy. So that quiz does not assess for normal types of jealousy. It assesses for a specific type of jealousy, which I've coined obsessive jealousy. And that's gotcha. the kind of jealousy that that you really, you really, you want, you want to address it. You want to and, address it. And what can we do to alleviate these adverse effects? You're so earnest. It's so sweet. So <laughs> jealousy, it turns out, is a really complicated thing to fix. Yeah. I have to tell you, I did not know it was so tricky when I started building a course. I straight up thought I'd be done in a week. It took me two years to build this course. Some of that is that I'm painfully optimistic. Some of it goes back to the fact that I cannot time manage, you know? Um, (laughs) Neither can we. (laughs) So I I tend to think things are going to take a fraction of the amount of time that they actually wind up taking. But but some of it was because the jealousy is so complicated there there i want to give you a soundbite there is yeah. no soundbite to cure jealousy it, there's a reason there's not a course out there so before you go and you build a course it, you know if you've had any any marketing experience or know any marketers they're going to tell you make sure you know what the competition is there's no right. competition i'm the only name in the game i'm the only one out there with a jealousy solution. And it's because it is so difficult to eradicate. So I had to draw from uh, several different theories to put my course together. And, and it's, it's not a, it's, it's not a simple, there's no simple way of what I will say. Let's just look, use you, John. Yeah. What I will say is it would be a good stretch for you to maybe be really nice to her ex if you and your girlfriend ever run into him. I think that would develop the virtue of compassion. So I, I'm completely on board with that. But How although cute I'm are a, you? That's so sweet. I mean, but I mean, it's, it, it's the truth. But, you know, you, you said something that I found really interesting. First of all, you know, I'm sure that there are people that would love to know how they can access this course that you're describing. And, you know, it seems to be that jealousy, you know, can be cured through this process that you have evaluated. How can people access this jealousy uh, alleviation course that you're describing? So the course is not available year round. I open registration Uh, for just a number of days and then I close it. I am opening registration I believe within a week. I don't have the exact date. Um, and I will be closing it days later. Gotcha. And that will be it for the first, that will be it for this launch. And then we Stay will tuned. launch it again. Yeah, we'll launch it again. But if you go to jealousyquiz.com, you will find your way to either the registration page for that, or you'll find your way to the wait list. Yeah, you may find me in this because I, I believe that th- there was I read somewhere that jealousy can't be cured through willpower and self discipline. So I'm no. just I am fascinated to learn as to like how to get rid of this debilitating emotion which we all experience. And I'm sure that all of our listeners are eager to hear what you have in store for this class. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, Regardless of whether or not registration is open for you, John Paul Jones, I will uh, make sure you have access to that course because, I, you know, takes a village and I want to help a brother yeah. out. I appreciate it, Dr. Darcy. That is more than generous of you. Thank you. Um, and well, thank you so much for helping me. My pleasure. Me. My pleasure. I mean, it truly sounds like you're doing like you're fine. You're happy with your results. You're doing fine. You don't have to be in a relationship and you don't have to 
not be in a relationship, what you what you're doing is really important developmentally, which is being by yourself. Yeah. So I would I would encourage you not to hop into a relationship right away. Thank you. Yeah, I would I would encourage you to like wrap yourself in a little yellow caution tape, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just keep yourself, you're just gonna do you for several months. And report awesome, back. Awesome. Let me know how that goes. Oh, absolutely. I'll be married I in hear, three months. Oh I'm my gosh. Kidding. That's exactly what, and that is exactly what I told you to do. So that's perfect. <laughs> gosh, I have a, you know, I, gosh, I have a million other questions for you, but I respect the fact that you have to hop off. Uh, I Dr. do. Darcy, next time over drinks. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll reach out to you the next time we're in New York and we'll clink cocktails and hopefully we can talk about all the deep things in life. Sounds great. <laughs> we're not recorded. I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank, well, thank you, you so much for joining us, Dr. Darcy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks. Wow. That was a pretty good interview. And she definitely helped me with all my relationship problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a little bit curious to know what exactly we can do to alleviate our jealousy that I we know. experience. <laughs> she, she didn't really want to tell us, but I guess if we sign up for her course, she'll let us know what the science behind jealousy is. We're clearly very jealous people because I'm a sixth and you're a four. Yeah. So we need to fix that. <laughs> well, hopefully Katie doesn't start becoming best friends with her exes and but if she did, I suppose I would have to accept it. And then it would be an opportunity for me to become a more empathetic and compassionate and, and person. And you know what? Maybe you'll make a new friend out of it. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Who yeah, knows? Yeah, become best friends with her ex. And then just drop Katie. And now you just have a new bromance. Oh, my gosh. I could never do that to Katie. <laughs> but, but Devin, I thought she was giving you some very earnest uh, advice on your hinge profile, but maybe there was a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, your humor and, you know, what you should typically put out on your dating profile. Yeah. I mean, I guess I shouldn't put pee humor out there because there are some serious pee kinks in the world. And I guess I don't want to <laughs> brand myself with that. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. Thank but you for that note, Dr. Darcy. I will be changing my profile immediately. Yeah. But you, you heard the woman Go to go follow Dr. Darcy on Instagram. And if you happen to be somebody that's suffering from the painful emotion of jealousy, Dr. Darcy does have a system for alleviating that if you happen to be curious to alleviate your jealousy. But thank you all so much for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed our segment. Make sure to tune in next week. Bye-bye. Jibba Jabba with JPJ. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.